Let's open the word of the Lord to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read from verses 18 through 20, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to read various verses, but I want to start with those two. I want to remind us why the church exists. Why do we exist, and why does the church exist? Praise God. God is a God of fellowship. He created us to fellowship. He created us to be able to dialogue with Him and, and to enjoy His goodness. I mean, which one of us don't want to uh, be able to, have, uh, able to impact people and to have relationships? I often say that if you had a billion dollars and yet you had nobody to share it with, it loses its luster very quickly. Hallelujah. So why does the church exist? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus was speaking just before he was taken up. And he said this to his disciples. Jesus came and spoke to them. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So go therefore, because he has all authority, he authorized us. He authorized the disciples and all those that the disciples would reach out to. Throughout the ages, this commandment is released from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ to all of the church, all, all over the world. So this is still a very pertinent, a very active command. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was his last words. So you know a man's last words are very important, close to his heart. So he wanted to make sure everybody got a hold of the good news. That he had died for them, that he had forgiven their sin, that he had uh, made provision for their salvation. So it's our uh, not only responsibility, but also a privilege, because angels don't have this privilege. Angels can only point somebody to you or to me. We see it in scripture that when angels would appear to a man, they would tell him, go see this person because he has a word for you. They were not allowed to be. It's our, our, it's our privilege, actually. In Acts chapter 1-8, it says, but you will receive power. Say with me, you'll receive power. You will receive power. Amen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is still actively happening. We're still reaching the ends of the earth. Yes. Uh, not everybody has heard this message yet. So, but the point is we have the power to do so. God, yes. he, he enforced us, he empowered us, he anointed us. Uh, he empowered us, basically, uh, to be able to do so. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, O oh God, that you give us uh, wisdom in this afternoon uh, to be able to receive the very things that you're sharing with us. We'll give you the praise for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Teacher, you may be seated in God's presence. Hallelujah. So, one thing we know by Scripture is that we're empowered. God empowered each and every one of us. Tell your neighbor, you're empowered. empowered. Now, that will manifest itself differently, obviously, because we uh, we're gifted differently, and God has done this on purpose. He, he's not looking for clones. He's looking for unique beings, unique people, uh, gifted uniquely. I'm not supposed to look like you. I'm not supposed to act like you. I'm not supposed to sing like you. I could never sing like Jeanette, uh, of course. Uh, I will reserve that to bathroom singing. So, but I have my own thing. You know, she has her anointing, her gifting. I have mine, and and I appreciate hers, and I and, and I and I celebrate her gift, right? But I also celebrate what I can do. You know, so in other words, just because she's so good at that doesn't mean that I'm not going to praise God. Oh, I can't do it like her. I'm not going to do it at all, right? Uh, I'm going to st- st- stand in this chair and I'm going to lift my hands. I'll praise God anyway, whether I'm on key or off key, right? You know, I, I, can't, I certainly cannot play uh, piano like Brandon or certainly can't uh, jam on the guitar like Ephraim. That boy was jamming today. He was on like the top. He was like, <laughs> he was all over the place. He was like, oh, but see, he can do that. He, he, he enjoyed what he was doing. He was worshiping God with that guitar. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And uh, so I, I celebrate them. And, and Kazi, man, this, this guy, he, he makes those things come alive every single week. 
So I praise God for, for each and every, uh, you know, gifting that, that's there, you know. And then, of course, you know, a young lady, I, you know, where's that young lady? God bless. Oh, my God. Jazz, man, she, can, she doesn't just play those things. She hurts those things. <laughs> she, she'll, <laughs> but, you know, every, every single gifting is different. And, and, and you, we, we need to celebrate all of them. Praise God. You know, even getting something like this, we take this for granted. You know, until we were missing it two weeks ago. How many of you missed this? Yes. Yes. You know, and Natalie was, was singing and worshiping, and she's, she's, in, she's in the fifth heaven. And I'm like, good song. And as soon as the word, then I, uh, hey, and then I get into it, right? I needed that thing. But who's the one that provides? You look back, you see that team right over there? You see? You know, Sometimes we take stuff like this for granted. Let me tell you, even in the building where we're at now, we literally had to lay out rows and rows of wires uh, that are going to carry sound, that are going to carry uh, streaming, live streaming, that are, are going to carry electrical. Uh, so we have it in a similar place. As soon as you come in, it's to that little corner. We dubbed that corner the sound, the power sound corner, right? So, but yeah, they rolled out all the wires and everything like that. And we think it's some simple. No, it's very complicated. But, it, but there are people that are anointed to do that. So I, I glorify God for each and every one of you, all the ushers, all the deacons, all the teachers, all the leaders. Uh, some of you went out of town. Uh, actually, some of you young folk just came back, right? Yeah. You're, 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 amen. Praise God. You're, you're beaming. Pennsylvania, beautiful. Yeah. Anybody go rowing or, or you're too busy being ministered to? <laughs> too, too, bu too busy on your floor in the presence of God, right? Ah, Lord. Well, I, I, of course you went to the pool at least, right? Yeah. Uh, you're not going to go to Pennsylvania and enjoy a little water. Yeah, but uh, I, I appreciate the body of Christ and, and I appreciate each and every one of you. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, it says, because He has anointed me. See, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, it's for a reason. He anoints you. And the anointing is a separation of sorts. It's an empowerment of sorts. And the bottom line is, no matter what we're doing, whether we're doing sound, whether we're, we're, we're singing, whether we're preaching or teaching, whether we're downstairs ministering to the children, where we're out there evangelizing, whatever it is that we do as individuals, we're anointed to do so. And then it says here, the reason for the anointing is to preach. The reason for the anointing is to heal the brokenhearted. The reason for the anointing is to proclaim liberty, to set people free. The reason for the anointing is to open up the eyes of the blind. There are people out there, they don't know that God loves them. They don't know uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the eyes of their understanding have to be opened. And that will come when you preach the word of God in power. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus did it in his earthly ministry. And now we as an extension of his ministry do the same thing in our ministry. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that year is now. And that time is now. God wants to use you now. God wants to work with you now. God wants to work through you now. It's not sometime in the future. He wants to bless through you now. He, he wants to raise you up now. He, he, he wants to empower you now. He wants you to open up your mouth now. He wants you to testify now. Don't wait for some future time. It's now. The time is now. The acceptable year is now. Say to neighbor, it's now. now. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Ahora. Amen. For those of you who prefer to hear it in Spanish. Ahora. Or in, in Brazilian, agora. You know, now. Ephesians 3.21. Now by him. I'm reading the Amplified on this occasion. Now by him who, by and in consequence of the action of his power. That is at work within us. Notice, there's a power that's at work within us now. It's currently working. It's currently operating. It's currently there to be released for the benefit of your life, your family, and your community. And it says here that he's able to do or carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far above and above all that we dare to ask or think. In other words, when you start asking, God's already going far beyond what you even ask or think. But that's why you need to ask. When you ask, you allow God to do super abundantly above all that you ask. 
You see my point? So asking releases the anointing to be able to accomplish stuff in the kingdom of God. And I believe to a certain extent that that's why God is having us ask. You know why? It gets us out of our comfort zone. We used to doing things for myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need to ask anybody a thing. And today God is saying, no, no, I want you to ask. Because it's beyond your pride and beyond your arrogance is where the miraculous is. In other words, the anointing can't start flowing until you get beyond your pride and your arrogance. Yes. Because as long as you think you're doing it all by yourself, you don't need God, the anointing's not flowing yet. When you get into a position where you say, God, if you don't help me, I can't get this done. So I ask you for your help. So I ask you uh, that, that your anointing would flow in and through me. That's when it starts happening. That's when you start seeing the miraculous. Because now it's a partnership. The natural and the supernatural partnering together. Then he says here, to dare to ask or think beyond our highest prayers, desires, hopes, thoughts, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. So the first thing I wanted to share about this, this gifting, this empowerment that we have, is we all have been anointed to fulfill his will in a very unique way. I'm not supposed to do it like you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. See, so the anointing doesn't come from man. Even when I slather oil all over you, that's just a symbolic anointing. But the real anointing comes from Almighty God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. It says here, Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts, as a guarantee. So this anointing is already in us, ready to be released at any given time. You need to not listen to the lie anymore that says you're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not as good as him. You're not as good as her. Forget about that. If the anointing's in you, wow, Amen. watch out. Amen. It's just waiting for you to ask and be passionate about it and to let it be released in your life. And the world needs that because the anointing is not just for you. It's not just to set you free. It's also to set the other captives free because you were captive one time, but now God is saying, now share that with others. I want you to be an extension of me, of my grace, so that you could also preach the good news because that's what gospel means and get other people set free and get other blind eyes opened. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Number two, the anointing lies dormant until it's activated. That's another challenge, that we are anointed, but we keep it in a dormant state because we're afraid what's going to happen if we give ourselves to God, if we really give this all. So no, but, but God needs for you to activate because there's a, a family waiting for you. There are friends waiting for you. There are co-workers waiting for you to activate the gifting that's inside of you. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Paul told Timothy, for this reason I remind you, Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline or sound mind. Sound mind means self-discipline. In other words, we, we, we take our minds and make them subject to the will of God. My body wants to do this. Shut up, body. You're going to submit to the will of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. We have to see... A man that can control his mind or a woman that can control his mind or their appetites or their, their desires or their passions is a, is a man or a woman that be, can become a master. Amen. Most of us cannot control our passions because we, we, we don't realize that we can. So we just allow our body to tell us what to do and then we just flow with it. And that's where all our issues come from. That's where all bad habits come from. Because we don't realize first and foremost that it's becoming a bad habit and then number two, when our body kicks in and says, I want, I want, I want, we just satisfy it. Yes, I just got one yes there, and everybody else is going, are you meddling again? Yeah, I am. No, think about it. Most of us are addicted to something. Yes. Not me, I've never been addicted to anything. Yeah, you're addicted to sugar. I bet you are. Another, I could let it go anytime I want to. All right, next week, don't have sugar for a whole week. Watch what's going to happen. I'm serious. I'm serious. Today's businesses, they know, and they've known it for a long time. 
that sugar is, is an addictive substance. Yes, it is. Right? And so they use a lot of it. And we keep on going back to it because we're addicted to it. So don't tell me you're not addicted. And some of you are addicted to coffee. Not me. I can stop anytime I want to. Yeah, by the afternoon, you already have a headache. We're addicted to a lot of things. And our body wants it. No, I want, I want, I want. It is like a little kid. I want, I want, I want. See, a man or a woman that can control their mind and have a sound mind, or in this version it says a self-discipline, you'll master anything. You'll never want for anything. You, you'll be able to control your passions. You'll be able to control your money. You'll become wealthy because he, now you won't be uh, thrown about by everybody's philosophies, you know exactly what you need to do. And that's how Jesus was. He walked his life in total control of his life. Amen. And that's where we need to strive to go. Not saying we're there, but we need to strive to get there. One day at a time, one issue at a time. Praise God. But he gave us that gift and he gave us that power so that we could discipline our bodies to the point of being a blessing to others too. Not just to ourselves, but also to others. Because the anointing comes upon you, and the anointing wants to send you to preach. But yet you want to stay home and watch TV. Come on. Go on, Pastor. Amen, amen. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say something that rubbed you the wrong way? Yeah, see, see we fight. Uh, the body fights against the anointing. Because the anointing will send you to get people delivered and set free. But yet we, we want to play baseball. We want to play softball. We want to hang out. We want to play, uh, I don't know, Xbox or something like that. Is there a new one beyond that now that I'm missing? I want to try to stay relevant. We? Now it's we? They just want to play the we? They just want to focus on the me? Yeah, focus on me and play the we? Yeah, exactly right. We need to understand that the anointing will get you out of your comfort zone. The anointing will put a demand on you. The anointing will make you feel uncomfortable when you know you're, 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 you're um, how can I say, playing little child to daddy and mommy. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. The anointing will remind you. Praise God. Three, the anointing helps you to overcome adversity. And make no mistake about it, in this life, we'll have a lot of adversity. We'll have a lot of difficult times. We'll have a lot of pain. It just happens. But the anointing will help you to overcome the many issues and vicissitudes of life and challenges of life. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 through 20. Behold, I give you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when it comes at you, you have the power to overcome it. And not for nothing, but uh, you can't insult a dead man. Really, have you ever tried it? Have you ever tried it? They don't talk back. They, don't, they frankly don't care what you're saying. They're not even there anymore. And, you know, Christians are supposed to be dead to the flesh and alive unto God. But we seem to be very alive lately. You know, and it's a, it's a generation where everybody's bothered by everything. Really. I, I look at TV and everybody's bothered. Everybody wants to sue. Everybody's upset. And, Oh my God, for the littlest things. They want to sue. You know, we really have to understand that the more you give people power over you, the more you're going to hurt. Why? Because you're expecting them to, uh, you know, to, I guess, make you feel better. But the truth of the matter is the more disconnected we are to the way people think about us, the better off we're going to be, the more peace we're going to be. I care what God thinks about me. Now, having said that, I'm still in the flesh. So I need to battle that thing from time to time. So I need to realize there's a power that I have to be able to destroy anything that comes my way. What the enemy throws my way, what any person might throw my way, or myself. I might throw things my way that would want to hurt me. But it says here, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but... Uh, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, if Jesus said that's what's important, then why do we focus on the other stuff? If Jesus said the important thing is that your name is written in heaven, that you're registered in heaven, that you're a child of God, that you're, you, you're a, co, um, a co-heir with Christ, if that's the important thing, then why do we give importance to so many things here on earth? 
We have to live here, but we are not citizens anymore. We're not citizens of heaven. The Bible says in Spanish, peregrinos. We're, we're just like strangers passing through. We come from another land. Our provision comes from another land. Our affirmation comes from another land. When I go to, you know, South and Central America, or if I go to Europe, I always say I'm an American. You understand? I don't, I don't relate to that country. I enjoy the country I go to, but I just don't feel at home until the plane lands back in the United States. And I go, I'm glad to be back home because I'm a citizen of the United States. Has that ever happened to you? You go to other places, or, you know, especially if you go out of the country. I mean, I've been to places where, uh, I mean, God-loving people, but really, really poor, really poor. I'm talking about poor that even in the church, when you get to the church, you sit down and the chickens are walking right next to you. Yeah, I'm serious. And, and, and the, the seats is just a piece of wood and two slabs of concrete. Just a piece of wood. And right there, they praise God. No music. None of this. There's nothing like that. You know, maybe, uh, maybe a brother or sister has a guido. And they, hey, they praise God. They have a great time. And I go, you see what I mean? Sometimes we put too much emphasis on stuff. These people, they're praising God. Uh, they're getting, you know, slain in the spirit. So they're having a good time. They're rejoicing in God. And meanwhile, they don't have the stuff that, that we need to pump us up. So if it needs to pump us up, is it from their heart? Or is it emotional? So I go to those places. I said, truly, truly, some of the things that I think I need, I really don't need. Because these people, these people are really rich. Because they're not caught up with all that stuff. See, I'm rich if I really don't need all this stuff and I have enough food to eat, if I have a roof over my head. I'm rich. Rich means I have all I need for myself, for yes. my family, right? So all the rest of the stuff is gravy. Yes. So say to your neighbor, you have a lot of gravy. <laughs> Think about it. Because according to world standards, we are rich. But since this, this is all we know, we think we're not. But I, I praise God. That's good. It's good to travel out of the country every once in a while to see what we really have. But the bottom line is, is that my rejoicing should not be in things. Although in the other new church, we're going to have nice seats. They're already in boxes and a factory waiting for, for it to be delivered. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, brand new. When you get into the church, you're going to have brand new church uh, seat smell. Yeah. Yeah. But should I rejoice because of that? Or should I rejoice that my name is written in heaven? Amen. So we need to put all these things in perspective. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for the rugs. Thank you. I appreciate the sheetrock. I appreciate all that stuff. But I rejoice because my name is written in heaven. Praise God. Thank you for the stuff I have. Maybe if I might, might have a job, maybe I might have an apartment. Thank you for that. Thank you for the bureau. I, I, I need to appreciate what I have because if I'm appreciative, then watch, watch what happens. My eyes open up to all that God has for me. If I'm not appreciative for what I have, then what happens? My eyes close and I really don't see all the stuff that is really around me. You know what happens? I lose the stuff that's all around me. So I need to be appreciated, get at that point, and then God says, okay, now I can work with that vessel. Amen. And sometimes life has a way of just taking things from you. Mm -hmm. Hard, there's no, there's no love. You know, it's almost like no love sometimes. Dang, 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 suddenly, and you, oh, wow. And the enemy enjoys those moments because he uses that to try to vex and torment you. Yeah. So that's the moment where you have to get back to your anchor and say, well, hold on a second. In Christ, I have everything. If there's a temporary loss of this, of that, so he'll give it back to me. Amen. Whatever the enemy steals from me, he has to give it back Amen. with interest. Amen. Never forget that principle. Amen. Amen. Whatever the enemy steals from you, he has to give it back to you 7% with interest. Amen. Praise God. Hey, if you don't want to hear it, I'll say it to somebody else. Amen. I am preaching, aren't I? Number four, the anointing, for it to activate, besides asking, you have to couple it up with several things. You need to couple it up with God's word. See, because many people, because they're anointed, they think they're big and bad now and special and everybody needs to bow at their altar. Yeah, yeah. Some people get raised up in church. They're singing phenoms in church. And people, oh, they celebrate that gift. And now something happens when then I'll go to the world and use that gift and forget God. Yeah. So no, no, you have to couple your anointing and gift with 
God's word. So you need to align your gift and anointing with God's word. And that's when the anointing really starts getting released and people start getting set free and people get saved. Amen. And that's where God smiles on you and says, okay, here is a vessel. Here is a co-laborer. Here is my child that's pleasing me. Would you rather please God or please people? Well, let me tell you something. If you connect the anointing properly, there are people that are not going to like you just because the anointing is flowing on you. They're not going to like you. Because they don't like righteousness. They want darkness. They prefer darkness than righteousness. But you, man of God, woman of God, you flee that and you go and do what God called you to do. Because right beyond those that are offended at your stuff are people that need to be delivered and set free. And those are the ones that God loves. And those are the ones Jesus was talking about when he said, go disciple all the nations. And then the second thing is you have to uh, uh, be able to connect your anointing with godly wisdom. Because anointing without wisdom is a disaster in the making. There are many people, they get anointed, right? But they have no wisdom and they go out there and talk nonsense. Really. And today there, there are some people that uh, they, they were raised in church, went out in the world, used their gift in the world, and they got saved, right? And suddenly they want to take them into conferences and all that other stuff. Meanwhile, they don't even know, you know, the book of John. No, they need to sit down a while and get some godly wisdom. They need to go to Sunday school. They need to go to Bells and get trained. Hallelujah. Right? Because if you get sent out without the wisdom of God, you're going to be in trouble. See, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 35, verse 30 through 35, and then Exodus 36, 1 through 3, God is speaking to Moses, and God is saying, Moses, Bezalel and Aholiab, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Interesting. God recognized two men that he had anointed to be able to work in the church. But yet it wasn't behind a pulpit. It was to make the pulpit. It wasn't to play the guitar, it was to create the guitar. Yes. It wasn't to paint the sheetrock, but to actually install sheetrock and install electrical. Whatever it is they did in that day, these guys were masters. But guess what? They had teachers. Yes. See, so you could be anointed for something, but you need somebody to teach you to hone your skill yes. so you could be really good at it. Hallelujah. It's a mistake to be anointed of God and just go out there before being sent. And when you get trained, you get enhanced. Exactly right. Amen. But you, what you do is you train your gift. If you're good at something, train it. Become a master at that. And then when God sends you, my God, you're going to do some great things for God. Amen. Amen. And then it goes on to say, Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab with every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. Everyone whose heart was stirred had come to do the work. And they received from Moses all of the offering which the children of Israel had brought the work of the service of making the sanctuary. And so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. And Moses said to the children of Israel, You see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of Judah, or from the tribe of Judah, sorry, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and, and to work in all matter of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach. Huh. Interesting that that's there. Because if God anoints you, then why do you need to be taught? In other words, the anointing is important and it's there and it's ready, but now you need to be taught by somebody else that has that similar gifting. So not only were these guys masters by then, they probably learned it in Egypt, right? But now they were teaching a new generation of gifted people so that they then could build the house of the Lord. So that they then could be useful in that community that they were serving God in. 
We all need to be taught. We all need to master our gift. And it's a lifelong process. Say, say to your neighbor, it's a lifelong process. It's not just a three-month course and that's it. You're gone. Oh, no, 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 no. This is going to be a lifelong thing. And, and, and it'll be levels too because God will take you from level to level to level. Because God raised up Moses, the man of God, and then later on, he sent guys who were responsible over 10 people, guys who were responsible over 50, over 100, over 500, over thousands. So there were levels of, of, of leadership even within the context of the community. So today you might be at the 10 level, but tomorrow you might be at the 50 level. Two years from now, you might be at the 1,000 level. But it's depending on your faithfulness and your continued willingness to be broken in, in, in the hands of God and molded and remolded and reshaped. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Number five, the anointing releases immediate favor for progress. When you obeying God and making sure that you couple God's word, God's wisdom, and now here's the next one, faith. See, because without faith, you're not going to move forward. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without faith, after a while, you give up. Because when you go, the first thing you're going you're gonna to encounter is what? Well, what was the first thing Jesus encountered when he started his ministry? Did he get celebrated? Oh, we celebrate you. New Messiah coming in. Wonderful. No, first person he met. Not first person, first being he met. Went to the desert, tested by the devil. So when the anointing impels you to go forward, first thing you're going to hit is an attack. First thing you're going to hit is a challenge to your faith, a challenge to your ministry, a challenge to you being called of God. What does, God, uh, what does the, the enemy say to God's word? Uh, did he really say that? Did he really call you? Has he really said? He'll always try to set those questions in motion in your mind and in your heart so that you would not proceed and do what God is calling you to, the, to do. But the devil is a liar. You are called. You are appointed. You are the man of God, the woman of God that God is calling in this day. So the first thing you need to challenge is you need to mow right through that first challenge. You get attacked, you go right through. Thank you, Father, that even though I go through the valley or the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Hallelujah. I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not relent. Amen. So we go through it. We take our tears and wash them and go to God. And God strengthens us and we mow right through that. And then we go. We, we go through our ministry and then comes the next level. Every new level, a new devil. Every single time you're about ready to go forth, bam, that thing hits. But it has to happen because that's what's going to give you the strong muscles. The very fight you're fighting is actually... Uh, Dare I say it? It's 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 almost like you're you're in the, in the what do you call those things? Do you exercise? Yeah, exactly right. You know what I'm talking about. It's almost like gym work. Oh, new devil! All right, let's go. You know, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's what you got to see it as. If God's allowing you to go through a challenge of your faith, He's about ready to launch you. See, that's FB worthy. That's Facebook worthy. So somebody needs... If God's allowing you... What did I say? If God's allowing you to go through a challenge, it's because He's about ready to launch you, right? Yeah, launch. Launch. Amen, that's right, launch. I like that. Launch. Praise God. We're being launched as a church. And let me tell you, man, I thought we were going to be in like next week. You know, like, you know, it's buy it and you're in next week. Then, bam, one challenge and another challenge and another challenge. Have I learned faith in these last three months? If you walk with me, you would see me talk to myself a lot. Yeah, because it's so frustrating. I wanted to be in there two months ago. And every time we fix one thing, another thing. <laughs> but praise God it's almost done I tell you I'm, I'm excited because now everything is in the walls already or brand new it's, it's in the walls now next week they're, they're doing the ceiling closing up all the holes around all of the uh, new electric connections and so they're closing all the sheetrock around it and now uh, next week they're going to start putting the sheetrock up sheetrock is going up because everything is done already so now once the sheetrock is up then we put uh, the floor. We're trying to decide what's better for the flooring, whether it's um, wonderboard or whether we're actually going to put, you know, cement. 
uh, with, uh, in Spanish we call it maya. It's just like a, a, thin, um, a thin steel that gets laid out in the concrete and then we attach the tiles to it. It's, yeah, it reinforces it. So we're trying to decide what's better and financially and the whole thing. But I'm thinking long term. I'm not thinking just, okay, let's finish, do it as quick as possible. Who cares? No, no, that's not what I'm doing. I want that when we're doing a dance, you know, uh, here in the altar, when we're all dancing before the Lord, yeah, I don't want to go, boom. I want to I wanna be able to dance and then sit back in my chair and then, you know. Firm foundation. Exactly. And that's the song we'll sing when we get in. Firm foundation. Amen. Firm foundation. Praise God. Yeah, so we, we, we uh, you guys are, anyway, back to the message. So we need God's word, we need God's wisdom, and we need faith, and then the last thing we need, action. Action. Because, hey, listen, ready, aim, ready, aim, 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 ready, aim. Some of you have been aiming for the last 20 years. At some point in time, Action. Sometimes, you know, the person told me the other day, so, you know, you think, guys, you think you guys can afford it? So I don't care if we can afford it. We're getting into this building, come hook or crook. I don't care. We're getting in there. It's time already. We're not going to wait till I'm 90 and I'm going to the church like this, you know? No, I want to get in there already. Because I know when we get in, it's going to shift us. And all the fears after, well, maybe we should save another like $5 million. <laughs> and then when I get to $5 million, well, maybe we should... We may, we, Need to save another hundred million. Now, what's, what's money for? It's to save souls. Exactly. exactly. You, you understand that? That's what that's it's all about. That's why the church exists to get people saved. So, action. Say to your neighbor, action. action. Amen. When, when was the last time you realized? Oh, you know, it's time for action. You know, thinking, 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 thinking. Maybe thinking. Uh, think more, more. Think, think. Yeah, some, some of you have analysis paralysis. <laughs> You analyze so much. You, you, you know? How is it? <laughs> yeah, forget about that. <laughs> Think about it. If you look today, there are people that own restaurants, don't have a college degree. People that own 7-Elevens. People that own, you know, stores around it. And you look at them. The thing that defined them over others is that they took action. They saved their money, scrimped it for whatever, a year or two, and bought it and struggled and stayed it. I know restaurant, not restaurant, um, store guys who, owners of stores, that the first two years they lived in the store yeah. with their children. I remember that. My, my son Isaiah had a friend. Uh, and then he would, they were living in the basement for a while. Until finally they made enough money, they made enough profit. Now, they have, now they're doing well. They have several stores. But they took action. Well, everybody is, oh, Un dia, un dia, one day. Yeah, right. We're just dreamers. We're never going to do anything. Because until you put that magic word, action, into place, nothing's going to happen. So what do you need to activate? Just, just, it's, it's just a question to you individually. You don't have to tell me. What do you need to activate? What if you didn't say, yeah, one day, one day, one day. Listen, the people that are saying one day, one day, really, they haven't made a decision. One day. One day is, is their comfort place. I know one day I have to. I know one day. Yeah, that, that happens not where people have ha- habits. I know one day I have to leave it. I know, I know. Yeah. So now can we get it to the next level? Can you give me a day? You see my point? Only the people that activate it. They, they activate that anointing. They, they put it into motion. Only those are the ones that are going to see the glory of God. And I'm telling you something. We're in for some zany days. I, I believe in the, in the kingdom of God. We're going to see both the worst and the best yeah. in the coming days. Because the United States right now, uh, we're, we're in a very difficult place. The, the, the government is really hiding very well the, the, the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. But there are opportunities right now that if you position yourself well, if you study well, you prepare you well, and stop being consumers and become investors, this is prob- you're probably going to get very soon a great opportunities to invest. Very soon. Because right now, gold is dipping to a point where it's almost time to start backing in the truck and putting some in your house. Because uh, it's right now 1.3, maybe 1.2. It probably might go down to 1,000 an ounce. And then after that, it's going to shoot up like a bat out of a cave. 
And for those of you that study this stuff, which most of you probably don't, you're going to take a little bit of money and put it in this, put it in that, put it in that, and you're going to watch your, your finances go up. I, I, I invested in a stock the other day. We've been investing in it, looking at it. There's been prof prophetic words on it. And I, I put in, you know, a couple of dollars, and literally within, within a month's time, uh, when the prophetic time, the prophetic season came in. That's right. There are even profits in the finance, in the finance industry. Men and women of God, that God speaks to, uh, this is the stock to watch over. In six months, you make, uh, make a, an investment. Uh, there's a prophetic word even over the stock market that it's going to go down a little and then it's going to shoot up to 20,000. And the reason why it has to shoot up is because the government's pumping so much money at it. So every time you pump money into it, it goes higher and higher. But now they're talking about pulling back a little. Uh, I'm, I, I guess I'm telling you something that you, well, who cares? Because if you invest properly, your $50 could become 250. Your 1,000 could become 10,000. And not for nothing. But I prefer to see my bank account with 100000 than in, than with $5. Right. Amen, amen. Uh, yeah, but didn't you read earlier that uh, it's no good to have money, be content just with... Uh, no, no. What it says is the rich folk be rich in good, in good works. Mm -hmm. In other words, if Victor has $10 million in his account, the tie to this church is going to be a lot larger. Amen. You know why? Because I'm godly. I'm not going to misuse money. I'm going to use it correctly. Amen. Right? Whereas most people, they get 10000 forget about the church. They leave their entire community. They leave their family. They hit the lotto, they're gone. You don't get to see many more. Isn't that true? Winning the lotto for many people has created more enemies than, than most other situations. Why? Because by nature, if your cousin hits the lotto and he, he, he gets $250 million, what are you going to say to him? You're going to say, what's up, cuz? <laughs> and you know what cuz is going to say? Get online. Why? Because all the other cousins are going to be there, and the uncles and aunts and the mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers. Everybody's going to be there. So most of the time, they have to run away because it, it drives them crazy. And then you get into arguments and, and fighting, and sometimes you fight with your spouse because now your family and then her family. And, oh. and after a while, you're, you're broke. You're worse off than you were before. You ever heard of MC Hammer? Yes. MC Hammer, he was an inner city kid, very gifted, and he started doing his songs and dancing in his very unique way. He used to wear those, those pants that you could fit five people in, but that was his mark because he liked to dance a lot. And very short order, he became very rich. I mean, really, really wealthy. Yes. And since he had a heart of gold, because he was a Christian, he, was a heart of, he had a heart of gold. So he, he employed all his friends, all his you know, family. He, he employed everybody and their children. And what happened? After all, he became broke. He's a minister now, yes, yes, yes. But he tells a story of how difficult it is when you suddenly get a lot of money. If you are not an investor, if you don't, under if you don't understand the language of money, if you don't understand the language of investment, you'll lose it all. You get some money in your hand, gone right away. So uh, in the coming days, what I'm saying is that the, as the anointing gets released and as needs increase, because believe me, needs are going to increase in the coming days, God's going to, I believe, He's going to empower you and me to become very wealthy, yes. right? Some of us will become wealthy in resources, finance. Others will become res uh, rich, literally rich in relationships. Now all you have to do is say a thing and you could get 500,000, 2,000 people to, to answer to something. Some of you are going to become so wealthy in your, in, your, in your relationships that you won't have any need. Because God will connect you to this person, to that person. They own a business. They own a store. They own a pantry. So whatever the need is, oh, you, you have this need. Okay. Yeah, Harry, can you do me a favor? Send uh, 10,000 pounds of rice and 5,000 pounds of beans next week because we have a pantry. You know, we need to feed, feed a community. No problem because it's you. We'll send it. That was not part of the message. I'm speaking to you right now. I believe what I am saying. I believe the Lord is giving me this for you today. So don't hold back. Now it's time really to start making friends, connecting. I'm talking about network like you've never networked before because there are some godly connections. Praise God. Because who brought Peter to Jesus? Was it not Andrew? Was it Andrew? Andrew met Jesus first. Andrew went to Peter and said, Peter, 
I think I found the Messiah. Yes. Come with me. And the connection that Andrew had with Peter, guess what? Brought in an apostolic figure. If it wasn't for Andrew, what would happen? See, so God's going to give us great networks and, and then we're going to pray and seek God and God's going to give us the wisdom, whether it be resources, whether it be relationships, whether it be influence. God's going to give us influence. Amen. And then what will happen is, is when we stand in that place of influence, we'll be able to stand there. You know why? With every influence, there's a lot of pressure. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. With every influence, there's a lot of pressure. Yes. And pressure in the hands of the wrong person is a very horrible thing. That's right. When I was 28 years old, I got a, a building to manage. It was a huge building. Actually, it was the entire block of buildings I had to manage. Within eight months, I was already sick. Now, if you looked at me on the outside, I didn't look sick. I was going, man, seven days a week, working up and down, taking care of people, managing a multi-million dollar property. But after eight months, I noticed, man, what's the matter with me? I was getting heart palpitations, getting short of breath. And after a couple of months, I went to the doctor. I said, doctor, what is the matter with you? They checked me. He says, well, you're okay. What do you get? I get this and this and that. He says, how's your job? I said, well, I've, I've got a, lot, a, a job with a lot of responsibility. He says, a lot of stress? Says, yeah. He says, quit. You can't take it. That's what the doctor told me. Says, Excuse me? That's where I make my bread and butter. So do you know what I did? Instead of saying that, I went, you know something? You're right. Yeah, so I left. And after three months, I was okay. But you know what the doctor told me? If I would have stayed in that place, that psychosomatic illness that was creating physical uh, discomfort and, 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 and irrational behaviors between my members on the inside would have become much more severe. Yes. It would have continued to tear me down on the inside, yes. create heart disease, create high blood pressure, and all the other good stuff. Now, I'm not telling you to quit. I'm saying in my case, I wasn't ready for that level of relationship, that level of influence at that stage of my life. That's the point I'm bringing. Now, today you give me that, I handle it differently, which happened to me. Later on, I did get another situation like that, but that time I was strong enough in here because I had already gone through that. So God allowed me to go through that so that I could strengthen up on the inside so when I stand in this more responsible place with a lot more responsibility, I will be able to take the pressure. So if you can't take the pressure now, don't worry about it. God's going to make sure he puts you in the place where you start, where you start exercising your muscles of authority, your muscles of responsibility. I'm not getting too many amens here. Maybe it's not the right message. I don't know. I don't know, Deacon. I don't know if this is the right message. Today. But the anointing will bring you influence and it will allow you to move forward but many times God has to take you through a process. Yes, yes. And that process, you'll get beat up, I mean, smacked up and down and bang, boom, tang, ting, tung. That's all you hear, tang, tung, ting, tung. But then after that, you realize, oh my God, I'm a lot stronger. I could yes. take a lot more. Right. I can stand for God. I can stand, uh, you know, in, in the midst of, yes. you know, Jesus uh, was able to sleep in the boat where there was a hurricane. The guys were telling him, the disciples, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? He says, excuse me, I'm sleeping here, you know. I'm sleeping here. You know, and he had to wake up and, and go to the front of the boat and said, peace be still, and then went right back to bed. But the point is, is that while the ship was going, tung, tang, ting, tang, he was sleeping. So true peace is not the absence of conflict. Is knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that God is with you, knowing that this is here today, God, tomorrow, He's still with you, and He's still with you like a mighty giant. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Come on, somebody praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I don't know if you're being encouraged, I'm being encouraged. So, in closing, I said in closing, and nobody said, Amen, glory. I, was, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, in closing, we realize that He gives us provision, He gives us understanding, but we must work according to God's Word and His will. Otherwise, your anointing can become a problem for you, or even kick you out of your grace. Look what happened to, look, look what happened to Samson. He was a judge in Israel. He was the equivalent of, I don't know, prime minister in Israel. 
And this man, mildly used of God, supernatural strength, but he had no discipline. He had no sound mind. And so what happened was, at the end of all of his ministry, he lost his ministry. He lost, they poked his eyes out. Why? Because, because Samson, although he was anointed, he didn't have character. So in closing, all of this is essential. And when you have that ability to say, okay, God, if you said it, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. But if you don't, there are many people that are anointed that are in Hollywood today doing stupid things, crazy things. Why? Because they were anointed, but they were not submissive. Anointed, but no character. Anointed, but they were like Samson. And so he lost it all. So these people, they might be famous, might have a lot of money, but you saw what happened the other day to that guy who was 30 years old. What did he do? Commit suicide. Didn't do it on purpose. So I, No, I, I take it back. I don't think it was suicide. I think it was just, he just overdosed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's accidental. I take it back. I take it back. Um, poor guy, young guy. Has everything to live for. Handsome. Uh, one of the actors of Glee, I think. Yeah, exactly. Corey. What a, what a tragedy. 30, 31 years old, I think. Just in the beginning, in the cusp of greatness. Engaged. He had everything to live for, but he had no control. You see my point? And there's a lot of people out there that are anointed of God to do great things for God, but yet fame, fortune, yeah, greed, or whatever it may be, it, 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 it attracts them, it seduces them. And, and they say, oh, I could do this, but I really don't need this. I don't need to be in that play. I don't need to serve God. You know? When I get older, I'll serve God. No, 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 no. Serve God now. Serve God while you have the energy. Serve God while you have the power, the youth. Amen. Serve God while you can. Don't be like some that, like, like the, the, the criminal that was next to Jesus on the cross. He's dying. He said, listen, don't forget me when, when you get to uh, your kingdom. He said, no, you'll be with me in paradise. Well, guess what? He was not able to do anything. What was his legacy? He, he's, he got saved and died. He, he didn't do anything. He didn't sow into anything. He didn't write any books, sing any songs, preach any messages, teach any Sunday schools. You know what I mean? You, you know, connect with community. He didn't do any of that. He got saved by the skin of his teeth. So the rewards in heaven for him. He'll be able to say, I got in. That's his legacy. I got in. So who are we going to be like? Who are we going to be like? Are we going to be like the ones that miss it? Or are we going to be the ones that embrace it and get in? And at the end of our race, we say, like Paul said, I've run the race. I've done what God called me to do. Amen. Now for me, I have a crown of glory awaiting. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah.